0: Um, I just want to read from the Christmas story this evening. It's kind of it's why we're here uh, from Luke chapter two, offer a couple reflections, and then um, wrap up this short time looking at John chapter one. And we'll we'll sing some songs. Um, we'll invite you to partake in communion at the end of this service, as well as. Um, take part in lighting of some candles, and we'll, we'll share why here in just a minute. But I'm going to open up uh, in prayer this evening, and I'm so glad that you came to join with us tonight, and this is an opportunity for us to reflect on the importance of the coming of Jesus Christ. So join me in prayer. God, thank you for this evening. Thank you for each person who's gathered here uh, tonight to reflect on you, think on you, worship you, pray to you, God. Uh, Lord, for those watching or joining us at home, I pray they'd be blessed uh, by partaking in this service with us this evening. Um, God, I know that Christmas time can, um, can be triggering for some of us, God. It has all sorts of nuances and uh, emotions that come with it, God. So if there's anyone here who, who's hurting over loss that they've experienced and the memories that Christmas brings, I pray you'd bring them hope and peace and comfort, God, God as we reflect on maybe people we've lost, as we reflect on times past. Um, God, you are our hope, not just for today, but for our future. And so lead us into uh, the path that you have for us this year, God. Let us glorify you in every step of our way, God, as we move forward in this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Luke chapter 2, verse 1 and 3 says, in these days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each in his own town. So 2,000 years ago, the Roman Empire occupied what we know today as Israel. Um, this place, Nazareth, Bethlehem, um, Jerusalem, they were in the regions of both Galilee and Judea. And so these people that lived under Roman oppression had to go um, take part in a census in order to pay taxes, because that's what we love to do is pay taxes. And so it says in verse number four, Je- uh, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea. To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house in the lineage of David. He went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So this brief backstory. Um, an angel visits this young woman who is engaged or betrothed to her future husband Joseph, who would tell her that she would give birth to a son, even though she was a virgin and her son would be named Jesus, and he would be the Savior of the world. And his kingdom, there would be no end of this, as he would reign forever within it. The angel appeared to Joseph in a dream, telling him not to divorce Mary, but to take her as his wife, because they would, again, give birth to a son, call his name Jesus, who would be the Savior of the world. And so Mary is accompanying Joseph back to where his family is from in Bethlehem, so that they could be registered. Verse 6, it says, While they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, born not in a hospital, if there were hospitals, then born not in a home or a hotel, but born here, literally in a barn in a trough amongst livestock. Verse 8. And in the same region as Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around the shepherds, and they were filled with great fear. Oftentimes, every time actually in Scripture where someone encounters an angel, there there is fear behind it. What is this news? What is this omen? What is this thing I'm looking at? In verse 10, it says, The angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. That's the Messiah, the anointed one, the sent one that the Jewish people had been waiting for. Unto you is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Oftentimes, reading over that, it's like, well, what would be the sign? Uh, Just a baby? No, a baby in a barn would be the sign. A baby laying in a manger would be a sign for them that this was Jesus, the Christ, the one they'd been waiting for. And the angels proclaimed to these shepherds that they had good news, a good news of great joy for all people. It was not bad news. It was not somber news. This was news of great joy, which would be for all people. And what better way to show that this news of great joy was for all people than to deliver it first to shepherds who were considered some of the lowest people in society within this region. This is who God chooses to declare this news to first. Verse 13, it says, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom God is pleased. So the birth of Jesus, the King of Kings, God in the flesh, is to be celebrated. And there is nothing more fitting for this occasion than for the heavenly host to worship this baby, God in the flesh, and to praise him and proclaim his glory. And they declare to the shepherds that Jesus would bring peace to the earth. Specifically, he would bring peace with God for those who would please God through faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so God brings peace through his son, Jesus Christ. And when we put faith in him, you and I have peace with God and with one another. And in verse 15, it says, when the angels went away with, uh, from the shepherds into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Let us go and see. Let's go check it out. Let's see what this is all about. Later on in the Gospels, Jesus invited um, Andrew and the future disciple John, invited them to come and see what he was doing. Philip, a future disciple, he invited Nathaniel, his brother, to come and see who this Jesus was. And here at the birth of Jesus, there are these shepherds saying, let's go and see. And so I want to invite you this Christmas Eve. You you may be here just because church is an obligation on Christmas Eve or whatever the reason is. I want to invite you like these shepherds uh, to come and see, to, to make a decision to go and see for yourself exactly who Jesus is this coming year. So in verse 16, it says, They went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who were there who heard it, they wondered at what the shepherds told them. Angels, heavenly hosts, declaring this baby's birth? It says, But Mary treasured up all these things, and she pondered them in her heart. Now Luke chapter 2 is written by a medical doctor and a trained scribe and historian named Luke who interviewed the eyewitnesses of the life of Jesus. And we believe here that he is interviewing Mary herself because she's treasuring these things in her heart. And then decades later would recount these events to Luke and disciples like John. In verse 20 it says, The shepherds then returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So the shepherds watched as the angels glorified God. They went and they saw Jesus for themselves. They went to see this good news of great joy for all people. And they then returned to the fields that night forever changed having not just experienced angels glorifying God, but now glorifying and praising God themselves, having in some way put their faith in Jesus Christ. And the reason they went away worshiping, it wasn't just because of what someone told them. It wasn't just because what Mary or Joseph told them. It wasn't just because of what the angels told them. They went away worshiping because they themselves had a literal encounter With Jesus, the Son of God. And when you have an encounter with Jesus, you either receive him or you reject him. And when you receive him and when you walk away from the encounter that you had, the result is to glorify and to worship and to praise God and to tell others exactly what you've experienced. So this is not just a story. This is not just the Christmas story. This is history. In fact, it's it's our history. This is not a story or just history. This is actually a person we can experience for ourselves today. We can enter into his story ourselves and be a part of the history that this person is writing. And that person is Jesus Christ. And that baby who was wrapped in swaddling cloths and who was laid in a manger... That baby who was worshipped by angels and visited by shepherds. That baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, born of a young virgin that night 2,000 years ago. The Bible says he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with his father and with men. And that baby grown into a man invited us as a man and invited those he came into contact with to come and see. Invited people to come and follow him. And here's what he did. It doesn't stop at a baby in a manger. It continues with the man, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, who preached of a kingdom he was building, who challenged people to serve God, not with just their actions, but with their hearts. He would live a sinless life, And he would die for our sins, a death that you and I deserve to die on a cross. And his mother, Mary, who wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, would be present as he was wrapped in burial cloths and laid in a tomb. And on the third day from his death, Jesus, who, yes, was a baby, but grew to be a man, Grew to die for our sins. He rose from the grave he was laid in. Resurrected from the dead. Forever defeating sin, hell, and death. Giving to us his very life. So his mother who is present at his birth would be present for his death. And would be present at his resurrection. And through the birth of Jesus, through the life of Jesus, through the death of Jesus, and especially through the resurrection, our sins can be forgiven. Our relationship with God can be restored. We can be given the power and the presence of God's spirit dwelling with and in us, and even everlasting life. He gives all of this, what we might call salvation, what we might call being a Christian, what we might Paul being born again, he gives this all as a gift, a gift of grace. Grace means something we don't deserve, but he gives it freely out of love. This is good news of great joy for all people. The gift of God's grace through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And that gift is received as all gifts are received with faith, with trust, Your good behavior, your obedience, your religious duty your church attendance, uh, lighting a candle, taking communion, those things don't make you right with God. Jesus makes you right with God. Jesus, who lived for you, died for you, and rose for you, offers you this freely, and he invites you to receive it with faith, to receive him that he was who he said he was, that he did what he said he would do and what he did. And that his death and resurrection is for you. And that that is the only way to find relationship with God. That's why Jesus said, I am the the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He says, nobody comes to the Father but through me. So I'll wrap up looking at John chapter 1 real briefly. And we'll continue singing and dismiss you here in a moment. So John, one of Jesus' disciples who did come and see who followed Jesus when Jesus invited him to follow. In verse 1 of chapter 1 of his gospel, he writes this. John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. We can't get into all the complexities in a short time of what the word or the logos was that John is writing to here in a Greek context, but He is referring this Greek idea to the idea of Jesus and who Jesus was. And so whenever you see the word, word, in John, as I read it, I'll replace it with Jesus. It says, in the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Jesus, and without Jesus was not anything made that was made. And in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He says in verse 9, the true light, that's Jesus, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That's the Christmas story. Jesus, the true light of the world, he was in the world. And though the world was made through Jesus, the world did not know Jesus. Jesus came to his own people made in his image, the children of Israel, the people of Judah. He came to his own And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive Jesus, to all who believed in the name of Jesus, Jesus gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but children of God who were born in Jesus of God. The last few verses here. Verse 14. John says, the word became flesh. So God became man. God became flesh. Jesus took on flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And John says, because he saw Jesus one-on-one, he says, we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father. And and Jesus, his glory was full of grace and truth. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. I'm grateful for grace. But when I take advantage of grace, I am grateful for grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. John says, the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. What John is saying is if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. If you've experienced and encountered Jesus, you've experienced and encountered God because Jesus is God the Son in the flesh who dwelt among us, who died at our hands and who rose from the grave. So Jesus, as he says, is the light of the world. The light has come into the darkness. And John says the darkness has not overcome the light. John wrote his gospel several decades after Jesus died and rose again and ascended to the Father in heaven. And what John was telling his audience and what he's speaking to us today is that the light's still shining. Here he is at the end of the first century A.D. He's saying the light's still shining and here we are 2,000 years later and we would say, yes, Jesus is the light of the world. The light did come into darkness and Darkness has not overcome. And not only has it not overcome, but it cannot overcome. So when we see and when we recognize the glory of Jesus, that's what the shepherds saw. It says they saw the glory. John said, I saw the glory of God through Jesus. When we see and recognize the glory of Jesus, if we receive him, like John said to all who receive him, if we believe in The name of Jesus. You and I receive the fullness of grace and truth. We are, this is where this strange Christian phrase comes from, we are born again. Jesus says in John chapter 3, you must be born again. And here John in chapter 1, he says, Jesus, the light of the world, the word became flesh. He came and all who believe in his name are given the gift, the opportunity, the blessing, the joy of becoming children of God who are born of God. When we receive Jesus and believe in his name, we can know God through Jesus Christ because Jesus came, lived, died, rose, and is God in the flesh. So the word did become flesh and the word did dwell among us. And in the Old Testament, the prophet writes of the coming of the birth of Jesus centuries later, it said that when he came, he would be called Emmanuel, a title for Jesus. And Emmanuel means God with us. So the word did become flesh that evening 2,000 years ago. He dwelt among us. And when we believe in his name, he dwells among us now and not only among us, but he dwells. In us, through his spirit. So I'm going to invite you tonight, if you could, if it takes closing your eyes just to eliminate any distractions around you. If you put your phone down or anything that you're doing. Yes, it's Christmas. Yes, this is a cultural holiday. Yes, we've got lots of things to do tonight and tomorrow. But don't miss out on an opportunity to know God. Because God knows you. And God sent his son, Jesus, in the flesh to dwell among you. And Jesus died for you. Died for all of your shortcomings. All of my sins and the sins of the entire world. And to show that he was sinless and to defeat death itself. And to fulfill prophecies he made of himself And prophecies that were made centuries before, he rose from the grave. He rose. His disciples saw, touched, and talked to him. He was witnessed by hundreds of people. He ascended to the Father in heaven. He sent his Holy Spirit, and those who followed Jesus were willing to go to the grave with their testimony that Jesus was God in the flesh who lived, died, and rose again to give you, to give me grace upon grace upon grace. And if you would receive him this Christmas, if you would believe in his name, he gives you and I the right to become sons and daughters of God, born again, forgiven, a new creation, grace upon grace. So if you have received Jesus, if you have believed in Jesus' name, either decades ago, yesterday, or even just a moment ago, if you've received him and believed in his name, what I want you to know is his light has stepped into your darkness. His light is overcoming the darkness in your life. And I want to speak to that for a moment. If you're wrestling with with darkness in your heart, that even under the reading of God's word tonight, you would say, there's something in my life that that God doesn't want there. I was brought up, I was raised to not have this thing in my heart, but God's convicting me tonight. I want you to know, if you'd receive him and receive his name, if you'd allow his light to shine in your darkness and allow his spirit to lead you, you can have the power to overcome the sin that constantly is dragging you down. If you're suffering Tonight, with a darkness of depression or anxiety or grief or despair. Many of us know what that's like. I know what that's like. Let the light of Jesus in. Let Him come and shine in your darkness and give you a hope and a joy that is different than happiness. It's different than whatever your circumstances are, but it's something that goes beyond. And if you've believed in His name and if you've lost the joy in his name, if you've lost that light in your heart, ask him to come and change you. So we have traditionally these Christmas Eve services and sometimes we'll call them candle light services and people will hold candles and kids will put their fingers in the fire and wax will drip all over the carpet and ruin it. And... It's a nice memory. I I have a lot of great memories of playing with that fire. But sometimes when we do things just for tradition's sake, we can forget why we're doing it. And yet, tradition is a great way to connect with our faith, especially a faith that maybe blossomed inside of us when we were young. So we have a hybrid tonight, if you will. What I would invite you to do in a moment, as we begin to sing, um, we have some stations on both sides of our stage this evening uh, with some candles. There's some candles that are already lit. Those candles represent the light of Christ, which has come into darkness. There's some candlesticks um, there on the tables um, that if you have received the light of Jesus, or maybe tonight you're choosing to put faith in Christ, if you just grab that candlestick and, and light it into the candles that are already lit. And then light one of these these tea lights that's here to represent that you, yourself, this Christmas season are declaring the light of Jesus over your life and over your household and over your family. And once you've lit that candle to represent his light in your life, if you want to come to the center, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, because Jesus is not just a baby, but he lived and he died. And Because of his death, he says he wants us to partake in in what we call communion or the Lord's Supper or Eucharist. And what we do as as Christians and what we do as the church that's existed for 2,000 years is we partake of the bread which represents his broken body on the cross, broken for our sins. And we drink of the cup representing his new covenant, the covenant that's made in his blood, that he gave his life and spilled his blood so that we could be forgiven and be made right with God. So after you light this candle, if you want to come to the center and um, one of our team here will will hand you the bread, and if you could just take this cup and you can take it back to your seat. And whenever you feel, if you need to you clear your heart with God, if you need to repent of any sin or Make a plan to forgive someone you're holding back forgiveness from this Christmas. Um, whenever you feel it's appropriate, you can partake communion as we sing. And uh, Nathan and Elaine will come up here after a couple of songs and dismiss you. And so if you could stand with me now. Again, as we start to sing, if, if you want to come up and light one of these candles, if you can make your way to the outside of the aisles, um, not the inside, but the outside, uh, work your way up row by row. Um, we have some team that will help you light candles if you need it, and then make your way here to the table for communion, and if you could find your seat through the center aisle, um, that'd be great. There's no pressure to light a candle tonight. There's no, certainly no pressure to partake of communion, but I just ask, that's something that that you do if you say, yeah, I've received the light of Christ for myself. And if you say this evening, I haven't, um, don't, don't partake in communion or a candle if that's not you. But if it is, then celebrate the light that's coming to the darkness. So I'm going to pray over us and we're going to sing. God, I thank you for the opportunity to reflect on your birth, reflect on your life, reflect on your resurrection. Thank you, God, for salvation that comes only through Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for your life, death, and resurrection, which gives us forgiveness of sins, which restores our relationship with you, which brings peace between you and us. Thank you for your spirit that dwells within us. Thank you for everlasting life. God, we put our trust and our faith in you this Christmas Eve and throughout the new year. In Jesus' name,